Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we have our Overcrest Rewind for you today, where we discuss the news over the last week, stuff that we found interesting, stuff going on in the industry. That's right. So we have listener input, a voicemail from Elon Musk, no less. Elon Musk actually called into the show. He called in, left a voicemail. I don't know. We, that's only available for, for Patreon members, so I'm not sure how we got a hold of the number, but he called wow. in. Um, we also have some Tesla news, ironically, um, something from Dodge, uh, Ford versus Ferrari, and a bunch of other news. That's right. Before we get into what's going on with our cars, our projects, what's going on with us, why don't you tell us a little bit about our Patreon? That's right. You too can support the show by heading over to patreon.com. You know what a powerful overcrest. You know what a powerful emotion is? What? Guilt. Which is what everybody that hasn't signed up for our Patreon should feel. It's only five bucks. You can support the show, support a creator. Um, it's really, really important for for everybody to get out there and not like I say, if it's not us, find somebody to give your money to to support that's doing what you like to do as well. Right. And if you are like many and listening as you're driving, maybe on a long either road trip or your daily commute, you know, rather than spending five bucks at Starbucks on the coffee to keep you awake on the drive or the beef jerky, although I would almost trade beef jerky for overcrust. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> beef jerky is really My good. point was going to be for only five bucks a month, you can support the show and all the great content that keeps yeah, and you, you can, going. You can pay more and get other things. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Although if you think about beef jerky, that's, that's Should like we give th- that's three months worth of overcrust podcast because beef jerky is expensive. It's like fifteen dollars for the big bag of good beef jerky, uh-huh. not the Jack Link stuff, which is junk. no, it's terrible. So be sure to check us out on Patreon. All right, so I uh, I kind of messed up the the AMG a little bit. Uh oh, I was so my uh, this is your Mercedes that wasn't ever supposed to touch snow. You know you you can't it, it drive it in the winter. Right, it didn't touch. So snow. you bought. The 190E. The 190E, and I'll tell you what's wrong with that thing in a second. But no, I didn't drive the Mercedes in the snow. It was just, it was purely dry, super cold, not a big deal. So um, the the 190 is in the shop. Right. Currently. So covered in snow, it's covered in ice. The cowl has ice on it. And a lot of times when it snows, you run it through the car wash. It blows the ice off. It's not a big deal because the ice is on the bumpers, the headlights, whatever. It's a nice way to not have to scrub the ice off your car, which can scratch the car, you know, which I don't really care about, but it's a nice car. I want to make it be nice. Right. So I pull up to the car wash, buy the ultimate one. I'm like, yeah. Ooh, the $10. It was $13. Oh, my goodness. It's it's like a 10-minute car wash. It goes forever, which is great unless (laughs) what happens to me happens. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what happened? I pull in. I start. uh, It starts going around. And as soon as it gets to the high-pressure spray, the water sheets down the windshield. And I look down, and it's pouring out of the blower motor. (laughs) In the car. In the car. It's like someone someone turned on a faucet and there's water pouring (laughs) out of the airbox. Literally sheeting like a waterfall out of the airbox. I'm like, like, and the the blower motor's like, just like making these gurgling sounds. You know the sound your stomach makes when it's hungry? Uh It was like that, but with more water. It was really, and then the radio started to not work. Oh no. So, now the I was able to amazingly this car has the easiest blower motor in the world to access. Okay, there's like a little plastic panel. You, you slide two clips over, pop it off. Blower motor. Right no there. tools required. No tools. I'm not. I'm not kidding. No tools required wow. to get at the blower motor. Okay. So I pull that panel off. Water comes gushing out. There's at least two gallons of water in oh, the passenger geez. compartment of the car. Okay. And then also the heater core is right there too. Slide two things off. 
pull a little panel off, heater core. That's Amazing. Nice. Whereas with some Volkswagen stuff, you have to pull the, pull whole, the entire dashboard off. It's like 11 hours to yeah. do a heater core. This is probably an hour to do a heater yeah. core. It's really, really easy. But the, and so I drained all the water out, got a fan, vacuumed the water out, you know, dried everything out the best I could. Radio still does not work. Oh, no. And the blower motor is like, <laughs> so it's going to need a blower motor because I'm sure either that or I can maybe use some of that worth stuff. The little uh, the bearing grease, the squirt in there, the maybe? stuff that it's really liquid when you squirt it in the HHS stuff. You okay. squirt it in and there, then there and it then it kind of firms up, kind of congeals. I'm going to try and squirt some of that in there and see if I can get the blower motor to quiet down because it works. Okay. But the radio does not work. It sounded it was going through one speaker and then the other speaker and then it was squealing and now it's dead. <laughs> So I bought That's a new radio. Good. Oh, you I did? It, I thought it was going to be cheap. Yeah. But it was still $50 for a used radio. And it's got the soft touch volume knob, which is always gross. Where right. you touch it, it's like, it's just like, <laughs> anybody that owns, has owned a Mark IV Volkswagen yeah. knows what the soft touch radio uh, yeah, buttons turn into, which is the gooey, just, yeah. oh, I just, it's the worst stuff ever. And everybody <laughs> used it in the ni- like late 90s, early 2000s. And you know what is the exact same finish as that soft touch? What's that? Plastidip. Black Plastidip. It's oh. the exact same finish. Yeah. So I actually redid when I had my Mark IV. A lot of the trim surrounds are all soft touch. I yep. did just plastic dip them because they were peeling. You know, they get peeled yeah. off too. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So you sand it all down. Well, the buttons and are then you thick and they're gooey. So you can actually poke your fingernail into it. <laughs> I did it. not. Okay. I was yeah. not aware of that. Yeah. It's, it's especially some of the Audis and it's all over the knobs and switches and everything else. But so... So you, okay. That's where the Mercedes, now it's buried under snow again because we had another snowstorm. <laughs> well, don't and, take it to the car wash. Well, did I, you fix that? I feel like you have to fix the there, root cause I, of the issue I know issue what here. the problem is. I looked it up. I haven't fixed it yet. What, what is the issue? So there's like a, in the, in the rain, fresh tray. Air, rain tray, cowl yep. area, there is, you know, you have a little thing that comes up, the, the metal that comes up and seals the blower motor from the engine compartment. Okay. Your fresh air from the engine compartment. So you don't get air from the engine compartment into the fresh air system, which means you would smell the engine. Right. There's always like a little rubber seal that goes yeah. across the top. At the bottom of that piece of metal is a little trap door uh-huh. that opens and closes with when water gets into it. Rather than just have a hole, it has a tr- physical trap door with a spring, <laughs> okay. and it gets clogged up and gunk gets stuck in it, and it you know it just doesn't drain the water out. You think if you just had a hole, that would, would be drain, fine, but yeah. it's this overly complicated trap door <laughs> of situation. It is. And I thought maybe it was the rain, the the sunroof seal, but it wasn't that. Okay. So, it's so be that's this. Grandpa car number one. What about Grandpa car number two? Grandpa car number two has a bad U joint, which okay. is, I guess, fairly uncommon on the one ninety. Right. Okay. So. First of all, very uncommon as far as a drive shaft goes, because you're like, well, yeah, every drive shaft has this little like, what did you call it? It's a center what, support pairing. Center support pairing. Yeah, why won't you? I was like, wait, isn't your drive shaft just solid and connected at the front and the rear? No, Mercedes apparently are I did goofy. Not, I did not know this was uncommon. Forward prop shaft, which goes straight from the transmission output shaft through this little bearing, and then there's a U joint that goes to the rear where it's the independent rear suspension. So right. it's the main housing. In the you center. also have to keep in mind that this is one of the first cars to have a multi-link rear suspension. Right. Ever. It is I still the first car. I don't understand why it can't just be a straight drive shaft. Probably because if it was a straight drive shaft, it would snap every time the rear suspension moved. Right. No. The rear suspension, A, shouldn't move. And also, how about well, I guess it's not a solid axle in the rear, right? So it's right. not going to be moving at all. I don't know. Even a solid axle, guess what? Doesn't have a center support bearing. Right. The whole drive shaft just kind of goes like that. 
stinking old truck. I'm not sure why it exists. <laughs> Everything. Well, it's the same reason there's a trap door where there should be a hole. Yeah, it's over-engineered. They spent, in today's dollars, six or $800 million developing this car. <laughs> so everything is over-engineered. It's probably almost like government spending where the drive shaft department had, like, <laughs> the drive shaft department had $500,000 to develop uh-huh. the drive shaft. And they didn't, if they didn't spend all $500,000 developing that drive shaft, they'd all take a pay cut. Right. So they figured out a way to spend all 500 design dollars <laughs> on the drive shaft. So anyway, the U-joint is bad. They don't typically go bad, so okay. they're... They don't really exist. Um, so mm. I gave the car to Bjorn. I don't have a place to work on the car. So my oh, friend Bjorn at Broadway, yep. Auto Tech's great guy. Um, so he's got the car right now. He's like, I can't find a drive shaft. I found a rebuilt one. It's $500 um, with a core. I'm like, oh, oh man, wow. $500? It's 30% of the cost of the car. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so you can buy the U-joint. So he's going to try and rebuild the U-joint for me okay. and get it back in. But it's it's kind of this, eh, I don't know if this is ever going to happen. Maybe I'll never drive the car again. <laughs> oh, I have geez. no idea just because of this stupid drive shaft. So in lieu of all your Mercedes old grandpa car problems, I you've been dreaming about I, a different I was, I was thinking... I was on my way back. I went and looked at a 190 diesel for one of our listeners, actually, okay, right. and went to Wisconsin Dells to check it out. And it checked out. It was a really, really cool car. 190 turbo diesel, which is really, really rare. I think there's only a few hundred of them that were ever imported here. So I went and looked at it and facilitated the sale for him and everything like that. And on the way home, I'm just I'm like, well, my wife is home right now. She's got the Mercedes, mm-hmm. which I really don't want her driving if it's snowing, period. <laughs> not because I want don't want it in the snow, because it's not safe. Yeah. You know, it's just not a great winter car. It's 300 horsepower, very pedestrian, traction control, all seasons. It's just yeah. not a good idea. So, okay, and also I, it leaks, so don't get in a flood. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's <laughs> not, just don't take it through the car wash. So I was like, oh, what can I get? And I was thinking about all the cars, lots of time to sit by myself. I want a Toyota 4Runner. Yeah, but I want a TRD Pro, which is the yeah. problem because you can get a Forerunner for thirty grand, something okay. like that. But the Forerunner Pro is forty four thousand dollars. Wow, and that's the big V eight. Yeah, which is almost a thousand dollars a month for a car. Yeah, that is absolutely insane. So it's not going to happen. No, in other words, I do like those though. My buddy has a Forerunner, just the run of the mill. All he's bought is Forerunners. They really hold their value well, which is disappointing do. for someone that wants to get into one and start driving one. <laughs> yeah. But I, so I've, I've only bought cars from Westside Volkswagen, new cars, used cars. So I've, I've had the um, used cars. I've had the same salesman for a very long time. Right. So it's very, very easy. Just walk in. I can just talk to him. So I went yeah. to the Toyota dealership on my way home. Oh, it was, no. It was, a, it was around <laughs> rush hour. Okay. And I just, I'm, I'm, it's five o'clock. I can maybe go do something at this dealership till six, right? right. Just kind of skip rush hour. I'd already been driving for three hours. So I pull in. And there's a guy standing in the window. Like, you can tell he's the next salesman <laughs> yeah, in line. Yeah, yeah. He's standing there like he watches me pull up and he's pacing back and forth. And I go, oh, no, I go, nope. And I just like reversed out and drove away. I just I didn't. That poor guy. I know. Like, yes, yes, yes. He had, a, he had a black wool like peacoat trench coat thing on. So then I drive into the back of the parking lot and I see one and I get out to look at it. And immediately there's a guy. Hey, do you need some help? Or what are you looking at? What's going on? There's more used cars in our parking ramp. Do you want to see? I'm like, ah, just looking. Just looking. Don't attack me. Please leave me alone. Yeah. I don't have my wallet in my hand right now. I am just looking. He's like, okay, no problem. Oh, he was nice and everything. Yeah. But man, it's like. You talk about high pressure sales environment. This is why a lot of people hate buying cars. It's 100% true. And I, of course, I was curious about, I was thinking, I go through so many cars. Mm -hmm. Why don't I just lease something? But then I think, well, I haven't even had a car for three years, which is as long as the leases are. So I just right. I really needed to settle down and learn how to keep at least one daily driver. <laughs> but I had signed up to find out, hey, what's the cost of a lease? Are there any specials going on? It is 
it's like I signed up to get a quote from a, for a steel building. Oh, no. I have everybody and their mother calling me, texting me, emailing me. Are you interested? What are you looking for? Yeah, what questions course. do you have? Of course. Blah, 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 blah. I'm overwhelmed. So I'm just, anybody that's out looking for a new car, if this is the experience that they go through, it's absolutely awful. Yeah. Between the guy standing there like laser beaming me with his <laughs> eyes to the repeated phone calls from multiple different salesmen. Wow. It's, it's been... It's tough. Yeah. I don't like it. So well, I probably n- never. So keep to, buying old Mercedes. Keep buying instead. old Mercedes instead. Yeah, absolutely. So I haven't been doing much on my project in the last week. However, neither have you. I know I've been. I've done you nothing. Have, you have all of your parts. You have no excuses. And you, as your wife has put it, have been hiding in the basement playing video games because you're too afraid to start cutting up your 911. It's not. So be, it's, I am I'm coming not, out tomorrow. And I'm just going to start hacking that thing up. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to bring my Sawzall with me. We're going to go to town. I have a, I have a Sawzall. I have a, as, as normal people would call it, I have a reciprocating saw. Right. A Sawzall. I actually just was hounding my friend about this. The Sawzall is the brand. Right. Reciprocating saw is the saw. It's like Kleenex and tissue paper. Right. And I have a rigid reciprocating saw. So it's not even a Sawzall. I have a DeWalt, so I'll use mine. Okay. Regardless, uh, I'm just going to start hacking away so you, you're forced to I, start this project. I did. So I, I it occurred to me I was watching one of our – I was watching Alex's – you know, Instagram stuff. Sure, he's always yeah. on his he's little. He's always working on stuff. No, no, this. Well, yeah, but he's also on his uh, his driving simulator. Oh, right. Playing okay, a yeah. Seto Corsa. Yeah. So over the last week, I've been building a computer and trying Instead to. Instead of working on the project that you started. Right. But I. it's January. It's not like I'm in a rush. I'm yeah, not in a rush. When you're doing a project, things, time goes back quick. It does. This but is going to take longer than you think. I don't think it will. I think it's going <laughs> to take me one day maybe two days to i bet i bet we can have it completely disassembled tomorrow all the spot wells drilled out cut up ready okay i bet we could do that tomorrow depending on what time your lazy butt gets out of bed and comes up to my house i'm the lazy one what time did you get up today chris (laughs) i'm not even gonna say i'm not even gonna say all right so let's let's, get on to the news let's do it could ford versus ferrari win an oscar I Do you think it. it can? I doubt it. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't that blown away by the movie, to be honest. Really? Yeah. You didn't think it was that good? It was good. It was I entertaining. I thought it was a fantastic car movie that had well, uh, well-developed well characters that true. you really ended up caring about. That's true. And I think it was a, it was a car movie that could easily reach more than just car people. Yes. I think you could take someone that didn't care about cars at all to that movie, and they would feel... Like they were in it. Right, they were, they were it was about it. the people. Right. You could feel for Carol Shelby. I mean, you could feel for Ken, especially Ken Miles. Yeah. You. I mean, you were emotionally attached to what he was doing Striving and and, for. and, yeah. and the pain and everything that, that kind of culminated in the end. So only twice in the Academy Awards 92 history has anybody been, has a car movie been nominated for Best Picture. Okay. So what were these? They were American Graffiti. Which you left off of our best movie cars of all time. It's not a. It's a movie, not a movie car. Yeah, but the movie car is John Milner's Thirty Two Coupe. And Mad Max Fury Road, which came out in 2015, interesting was, was nominated. Yep. Um, and the best part about, uh, like I said, about the Fast and Furious movie is it's about Ford the people. versus Ferrari. What did I say? Fast and the Furious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely a <laughs> different movies. Definitely Chris. film that will Slightly never be different. Not so, <laughs> all right. So here's a list of the Oscar-nominated movies from this year. It's The Irishman, uh-huh. uh, which uh, did you see it? No, it's way too long. I've, I'm not going to sit in front of that for three hours to watch. To watch Joe Pesci say, "Yeah, yeah, I'm a mobster." Wow, that's that's what the movie is. Have you my, seen Casino? 
No. Have because, you, yeah, so that's you, just Robert you just De Niro don't, you just don't like, like hey, good I'm movies. A mobster. You'd rather just watch whatever Nikki pulls up on. I actually I, don't I like watching those at all either. She Why? has terrible what? taste in movies. Oh, so you just get to watch bad movies all the time. Yes. You need to watch movies like Casino. Have you seen Goodfellas? Yes, yeah, Joe Pesci. He's going like this. What am have I? Have you seen Go- Godfather? Yes. You don't, you don't even know. if Okay, so this isn't your genre anyway. Irishman's no. a very good movie. Okay. It's long, yeah. but it, it is good. I think okay. they could have cut it down a little bit. Uh, Jojo Rabbit, which I don't even know what it is. It sounds like a sex toy. Um, <laughs> it does. Joker, which is really good. Extremely well done character development. Yeah. I went into that movie thinking it was going to be overhyped because everybody's like, oh my God, Joaquin Phoenix did an amazing job. Right. It's incredible. His performance is really great. Uh, Little Women, which I have no idea what that's about. No. Uh, Marriage Story, also no idea. 1917, which is I want to see 1917. Which is a World War One film. Yep. Um, and the interesting thing about this movie is it's all one take yeah well it's Shot made to, real tame real it's, time it's basically. not but no. it's made to feel like it is so it's yes. a really really unique thing uh, how do they do that if there's no because there's no scene cuts is my understanding a right? lot of it is probably cgi which means someone exit the frame exits the frame for a second and then that's where they take a break and then they bring them back into the frame okay. and continue on yeah that's kind of my guess um but that movie also got nominated for Best Script, which it has a, as far as I know, it's not a lot of dialogue in that movie, so I don't really understand what's going on with that. Interesting. Also, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is I like super that. good. Um, kind of a character study movie. Didn't get really good until you were rewarded in the end for yeah. watching it. It's almost like- it Then was, it became a Tarantino film at the end. Right. And then you have Parasite, which I don't know what that is. Never heard of it. That is either. So that's what Ford versus Fry is competing with. Mm-hmm. And I- I don't know. Just on the light- uh, in the likes of Irishman and Joker, yeah. it really doesn't stand much of a chance. Nope. Um, speaking of Ford versus Ferrari, I found this great interview on My Classic Car TV. So I want to play this clip for you. It's really, really interesting. And I encourage everybody to go to My Classic Car TV, maybe look that up on YouTube and search Shelby. It's like an hour plus oh, of wow. just, just Carol Shelby talking Carol about Shelby. his life. But I found this clip to be especially interesting. We had, uh, we must have had 15 dynos that were on nothing but the Le Mans program. We had run 10 Le Mans. Ken Miles went back there, programmed the computers for Le Mans, and they had to run, they had to run those engines, those old engines at 485 horsepower, something like not much horsepower, <laughs> running for 10 Le Mans. We started 66, we started 67, we started engines that all, and gearbox had already run a Le Mans. We knew we were bulletproof. And, uh, even for pushrod engine, that was a hell of an accomplishment. With things like windshields cracked in practice, a 707 arrives in Paris with six windshields from Detroit the next morning. Things wow. like that. So obviously they had huge <laughs> support from Ford. Hey, we broke a windshield. We're going to fly his plane over with windshields in it. Yes, they're for using you. the same drivetrain from the year before. Yeah, exactly. they are that bulletproof. They are that bulletproof. So the 427 engines that raced in 1966 were reused in 67 and in wow. dyno testing if you heard it, it was subtle yeah he said that they were good for 10 24-hour races <laughs> which is absolutely wow incredible. it just talk puts, about an overbuilt engine that's what happens when someone like ford says here's a blank check let's do this wow and i don't think you've ever seen anything like that since and the story in the movie if if the if the oscar was given on best story mm-hmm. this in my opinion would win Mm. But it's not. It's it's a bunch of sycophants that probably don't like cars to begin with. So there's right. virtually no chance that you have like a, yeah, an entire gonna, academy full of virtue signalers that are going to vote for a combustion engine car full of white men. It's just never, ever going to happen. This film has no chance. But it's great that it was nominated. Yeah. I think that's cool. All right. So 
Uh, do you want to take the next story? Yeah. So, Chris, you remember a few weeks ago we talked about those damn splitter guards on Dodges, on the Hellcats and the Chargers and all that. Yeah, they were. They turned them yellow because they were sick of people. No, they were originally yellow. So these are the yellow pieces. Oh of no, plastic. they turned them purple. That's Pink. what they. Yeah. So let me get into it. No, they already did this once. Yeah. And now they're doing it again. Right? No, it's slightly different. Okay. So this is just a recap of it. So the yellow pieces of plastic in each corner of the front splitter of any of the SRT models, they're originally installed from the factory to protect them during shipping process when they're going up and down the ramps. Right. You don't want to scuff up the, the splitter. Right. You want people to do that as they pull into McDonald's <laughs> exactly. the first time they so go. Dealers are actually instructed to remove them. And it actually says right on them, remove by dealer. Okay. But for whatever stupid reason, buyers are actually instructing dealers to leave them installed and are then just running the cars like that as some stupid look at me. Is this like leaving a little hologram on your hat when you buy a new hat? Oh, you're right. It is. It's exactly the same thing. It's the exact same thing. So (laughs) Mopar has actually changed the design, as you said, of these to make them pink, hoping they'll be more obnoxious and people will remove them. This is the second color change. I'm almost positive that they did another color change and now they're making them pink to make it even worse. No, hold on. So they may they're making them pink or they made them pink. We talked about this last couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Right. To make sure people would actually remove them because they're obnoxious. But as you may guess, that doesn't change anything. People still leave them on as now they're even more ostentatious, <laughs> right? And now people want to change the yellow ones to get the pink one because the pink one's cool when they have the yellow one. You should buy out, go to Dodge, buy out all the pink ones that are in stock at the, at the parts department and just hold on yeah. out for like 30 years. I don't even think you can get them from the parts department. Oh, I suppose not. Because they come just from the factory. However, just goes uh, dig through the dumpster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a Dodge spokesman now said they may change the design again to black so they become less noticeable and therefore less of a statement. And people will pull them off because now there's nothing like look at me about them. Right. That's crazy. the way to do it. So here's my question. Will these things be collectible someday? Will it be like, oh, man, check out that 2019 Dodge Hellcat. It even has the factory splitter guards on it. Yeah, they will be. It probably will be. And that's why people want to leave them on. Regardless, as a public service announcement, I did some Googling, Chris. Okay. And I found out these are held on just with simple push pin, like body pins, the plastic ones. So everyone do us a favor and feel free to remove them for the owner the next time you see one of these in a parking lot. They just pull off. Just do it. Just start vandalizing people's cars. Yeah, just to help them out. You're doing them a favor. (laughs) They don't belong there. So you've heard about unintended acceleration, right? I have. What was the first... Uh, evidence of unintended acceleration. Wasn't it like Toyota Corollas or something? Their their floor mat would stick? Right. And the floor mat would get, but it was the all-weather floor mats. Okay. They got stuck on the accelerator pedal, which would then push the car up to 90 miles per hour, causing crashes and, (laughs) and quote, decreased brake power. Oh, so when my car is floored, I can't brake as well. Yeah. And I always wondered, what would you do in this situation? How about There's two things. Put it in neutral. Uh, or three things. Sorry. Okay. There's three, th- three options. Push the clutch in. Well, put yeah. it in neutral. None, okay. None. Let's be honest. None of these people with unintended acceleration were driving a manual. None of them. S- still put it in neutral. Yes. Push the clutch in. Yeah. Turn the car off. Right. Those However, are the three things. You don't want to turn the car off all the way because then you engage the steering lock, the column lock, which means then you can't steer. But you can still turn the car off. You can put it on accessory and turn the car off. Right. But I'm guessing but what most people aren't smart enough. To no, do that. they're panicking. They're like, oh, my God, my car is right. out of control. So the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration said Friday it will review a petition asking the agency to formally investigate and recall 500,000 
Tesla vehicles over sudden unintended acceleration reports. So this makes me think it's more than just a floor mat getting in the way. Yeah. Yes. So the petition covers 2012 through who cares? Tesla Model S's, Model X's, Model 3. So all of them. Okay. Uh, the petition cites 127 consumer complaints. Wow. 127 doesn't seem like very many. Um, to the NHTCA well, following 123 unique vehicles, the reports include 110 crashes and 52 injuries. So hold on. Is this just something people like say, well, it was it was unintended acceleration. Is this now just a scapegoat so for if you people lean, having accidents? So if you lean into the passenger floor wall of your car and hit the hit the hit the gas. Is well, that I didn't mean to do that. It was, un- that was, unintended, it was unintended, Chris. A complaint said a Tesla driver in Andover, Massachusetts was approaching her garage door when suddenly the car lurched forward and, quote, went through the garage doors, destroying both. The Tesla stopped when it hit the garage's concrete wall. On well, the I would side. hope so. So here's the thing that I was thinking about with this. What's that? Imagine the unintended Excel. Doing it in a Toyota Yaris right. or a Corolla is one thing. Right. Doing it in a dual motor Tesla Model 3 is a whole nother if ball it, like, game. If it's like full 100% acceleration mode. Yeah, you're yeah, going you're zero right. to 60 in three seconds <laughs> into the wall. Imagine what that would have been like just blasting through your garage doors yes. and just groceries everywhere. Here's the sad truth. A lot of people, not a lot, but it is a common phenomenon that people mistake the gas pedal for the brake and you stomp the gas instead of the brake and then you panic and try to do it again. I wonder if that's a lot of where this unintended acceleration comes from. I think it probably is, but in the case of the Toyotas, it was the floor mat. Right. So maybe this is a software glitch. I don't know. I highly doubt it. I'm skeptical. I really doubt it. I feel like this is just embarrassed people that drove their Tesla through the garage doors into the wall. It's literally a But at least they didn't do what that guy with that Mustang did. (laughs) And I'm just going to play this clip for you. And this is a guy who got into his dad's brand new Shelby Mustang. Obviously his dad's new Mustang. And here is the result. Get out of my boat! Wait, that's, <laughs> that's the wrong the, That's the wrong side. Here we go. Hold on, hold on. That sound was him hitting the wall, by the way. <laughs> I did it! I did it! I did it! I'm dead! I'm dead! I'm dead! So at least maybe that's that was maybe that was maybe that was complaint. unintended acceleration. Was Chris, unintended acceleration. By definition, that is absolutely true. So. The i8. And you know the i8, The right? BMW i8. It How was kind of their like supercar looking electric car. When do you think that thing came around? What was the year that, that you remember that thing? <sighs> How did, was it 2016 or like 2015? 2013. Wow. Okay. It's, uh, it's getting canceled after six years after it was launched. So that model lasted six years. Um, it seems like that thing feels 20 years it old It does to feel me. old. It feels really, really old as time has gone on. And how much do you think these things cost? Oh, I know they're six figures. They're $150,000. Yeah. Um, so performance figures on these things haven't changed much. I mean, when they were released, they had, I think, 350 horsepower. Now they have sure. 370 horsepower, which is wild to me. Because for $44,000, these things are 150 grand, but for 44 grand, you can get a Tesla Model 3 with a dual motor that has 346 horsepower. Right. So why would anybody buy this thing? This thing was always a dud. Because it looks like a supercar. It's shaped like a... That's the problem is it isn't. And the range is terrible. Okay. What do you think the range actually is on these things? I, I don't know, like... 100 miles. 18 miles. <laughs> 18 miles and 350 horsepower, which it's a lot of it gets a lot of that power from the electric engine. Right. Because um, these are a hybrid, I forgot. They are a hybrid. But the gasoline engine 
What do you think is in there for an engine? It's this supercar, $150,000. Right. Isn't it like a three-cylinder or something? Basically it's, just like a... It's a 1.5-liter turbocharged engine out of the i3. Yeah. So it's a three-cylinder, I believe. This, this car was never cool, ever. Here's the, here's the thing, though. It was the first, like sports car looking or supercar looking car that was either hybrid or electric so that's why it was so cool at the time i remember it was one of it's the, the big automatic it's, like, it's like a the, the blonde girl in the high school that didn't put out it just never <laughs> delivered what it looked like did not follow what happened in the bedroom it i just remember didn't. when this came out it was one of the big automotive magazines did a comparison against this and the brand new m3 and they're like yeah get the i8 man absolutely By, awful. you know twice the money you need the i8 it's absolutely awful all right so speaking of fast teslas did you know that people were running these in scca i did not so like and win- autocross and, and winning <laughs> is I the suppose. thing and you think about doing it that's kind of where maybe a tesla might be able to because if you actually so take it on a circuit though. but if you if you're lapping right you, you destroy these cars the brakes everything the tires can't handle the right. way but you know in a in a one lap autocross circuit maybe it's not so bad so those who bought a tesla model 3 performance with hopes of dominating scca autocross might want to chill for a few effective january 1st that car has been moved from b street all the way to super street so okay. B Street class is like the Tesla Model 3 and M2, Ford Focus RS, Lotus Evora, Camaro, Cayman S, and uh, I saw on the list a 2006 Porsche Banana. Porsche Banana? <laughs> That's what it says. I, I don't know <laughs> what that is. Now I want to drive a 2006 Porsche Banana. But he got like, he got like seven plays. So now it's getting moved. So that was, that was B Street class. B Street, and he okay. won. He they, This guy beat everybody. So he in a won Model 3. In a Model 3. Wow. So he beat a Cayman, a Lotus, an M2. I suppose instant torque traction like control and everything else it's it's a lot of power so uh david marcus drove a model 3 to last year's solo title holding off uh mark dadio's 2019 mustang shelby by 0.070 of a second wow that's marcus pissed um you know mark is pissed this is 0.07 yeah big time in super street the tesla will face off against the latest acura nsx gt3 and corvette z06 (laughs) so scca went all right that's enough of that (laughs) oh um a newly created segment of race cars called b-spec targets the subcompact market so that's kind of the it's a new class sure so they kind of just lumped it in with that they didn't maybe they didn't really realize what's going on um because they wanted to provide a cheap access to racing you know the the first time someone's like well can i enter my model three they probably were like Okay. Yeah, of course you can. Yeah. And then the guy and then cleaned. just cleaned up. He cleaned up. And obviously, there was another one that came in like 12th. So this guy can obviously drive. Yeah. You know, he can, he knows how to drive the car. But wow. Now he's going to I don't know if he's going to be able to do that with a GT3. No, probably not. <laughs> so the Bullet Mustang sold. I heard this. Um, this so is the actual movie car Bullet This is Mustang. the one. This is yes. the car. After the movie duties were over, the car was sold to Rupert Robert Ross, who was a Warner Brothers employee. Okay. And then it went to a detective, Frank Maranka, who later sold it to... Wait. So you're telling me the car that the detective in the movie drove which is like iconic is that the guy's name detective frank maranka i don't think it's the detective in the movie no but steve mcqueen played a detective in the movie do you realize that so now you're telling me after the movie a detective bought this car that's pretty and he's like i'm gonna be that's pretty cool bullet i like that and so that guy the detective sold it to six thousand dollars to uh robert kiernan who died Okay. All right. So uh, Steve McQueen actually wrote a letter to Mr. Kiernan asking him to buy the car back, which That's I think right. is really, really good. He says, Dear Mr. Kiernan, again, I would like to appeal to you to get my, to get back my 1968 Mustang. 
I would like it very much to keep it in, fa- in I would like very much to keep it in the family in its original condition as it was used in the film rather than have it restored, which is simply personal with me. I would be happy to try to find you another Mustang similar to the one you have if there's not much money's involved in it. Otherwise, we had better forget it. <laughs> with kindest regards, I remain very truly yours, Steve McQueen. Otherwise, <laughs> we'd better forget it. Yeah, if you're trying to shake me down, you better just pound sand is basically what, what that means. Interesting. So, the iconic 1968 Ford Mustang GT driven by Steve McQueen and Bullet sold for $3.74 million. Wow. That is how much the price of cool <laughs> is. But is the guy that bought it cool because he spent nearly $4 million on it? Maybe no, a, maybe a little, maybe little just cooler. A, just a little. That guy's a little bit cool for himself, especially. He gets into the car, he immediately feels himself elevate a little bit. I suppose only if I suppose spending four million dollars on that car versus something. It depends else on who is it is. Cool. It really, really depends on who this guy is. You know, there's a multitude of different reasons to buy this car. You could buy this car because you, when you were young, you went and saw Bullet in the theater. And yeah. Now you can finally own that car. You could also buy this car because you're an investment douchebag that thinks the value of this car is going to go up. I so don't there's, know if there's it's going to. Oh. That's a lot of money. All right. Hey, so Chris, do you remember one of your first cell phones, the Nokian bricks? Yeah, the one that you would play Snake on. You played Snake and you couldn't break the damn thing. Yeah, you right? could drop it off a building. Well, Nokian kind of isn't a phone manufacturer anymore. Yeah, they right? don't. Well, Volkswagen is worrying about going the way of Nokia. I said Nokian, which is the tires. Yeah, I meant Nokia. Same company, though. It is. It used to be, at least. So Volkswagen CEO Herbert Diess says the company needs to change faster or, quote, risk going the way of Nokia. Quote, the biggest question is, are we fast enough? If we continue at our current speed, it is going to be very tough. What are they talking about? They spent $60 billion on EV. They think they're still behind the ball. Volkswagen is shifting from being a manufacturer of traditional vehicles to making self-driving and connected cars, a step which requires cost cuts and efficiency gains, he said. Quote, the era of the classic car maker is over. Sadly, he is correct in that regard, but I don't think that they're behind. I don't think anybody else. That's what he says. Volkswagen needs to get a grip on software and electronics, as well as producing a raft of electric vehicles and batteries so it can comply with stringent anti-pollution rules. Quote, in summary, this is probably the most difficult challenge Volkswagen has ever faced. I think it's the most difficult challenge that anybody in the transportation industry period has ever faced, whether it's a car manufacturer, infrastructure, engineer, transportation engineers, all of this stuff is unseen Nobody knows what's going to happen, and it's all very difficult. Yeah. So, I mean, it just sounds like he's whining a little bit. Everybody has the same challenges. <laughs> every, 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 other than Tesla, who's ahead of the game because they were right. the pioneers of a lot of this technology and really kind of made the push for it, every single manufacturer probably feels behind the ball because of Tesla. Well, you just talked about Porsche has their new Taycan, and it's terrible on efficiency versus Tesla. Here's the thing, though. Is a GT3 also terrible on efficiency compared to a Toyota? Yes. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, but when you're comparing electric range to electric range. Well, when you're pairing gas range to gas range. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, do at, know at what some, you're saying. At some point, we're going to have to move beyond this range thing. We have to get past the range thing. We just, it doesn't make any sense. Imagine when your car came out. Yeah. How many gallons does your gas tank have? Which Six, car? Your, your 911. I don't know. Like 16 or 18 gallons or something. Or 14. Even. Yeah. 14 gallons. There was many, many, many cars that were around in 1970 that got way better fuel economy than your car. True. And nobody didn't buy your car because of the 
fuel economy that it got. They bought your car because it is a sports car that they wanted to enjoy driving. Yeah. And I think people that are going to go buy the Taycan are going to do the same thing. They're going to go, I want to enjoy the car. I want to enjoy the driving experience. And I'm willing to sacrifice the range. But the problem is, is that everybody still has this range anxiety thing right. that they're having trouble getting over. And that is a problem of infrastructure. Or you can do like someone posted on Instagram last week and just tow around an industrial generator behind your car. <laughs> you, you could do that. <laughs> you absolutely could do that. So we'll see what we'll see what happens. I don't think that anybody feels ahead of the game. Um, but it is sad to hear him say that the era of classic car makers is over. Is over. And it, it, it's true. Like yeah. I say all the time, we are in the golden age of motoring. Everything that's cool exists. And we're in this weird paradigm shift right now within the next five, ten years. Things are going to start really, really changing and melding over. And I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But uh, yeah, that classic car maker era is done. On that sad note. All right. So um, <laughs> it's, it just is. And uh, we're going to be having, in a, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have Porsche on to talk about Formula E. Yeah. Because we need to start discussing this stuff. Yeah. I'm not super interested in Formula E right now. I've never watched it, but I want to learn. I want to understand what's going on. Where are we going? How are we going to keep the flame of motoring enthusiasm alive in some way? Rather than just saying, well, it's my way or nothing. Because yeah. it, then you're going to have nothing. Is that what you really want is nothing? You want just nothing? No. <laughs> you want something. You want to hold on to some part of this. So we might as well start learning on how to adapt and how to you know get involved with other things that are going on so we can keep the passion alive and pass it on to our kids. Or Otherwise, we'll just keep going to the vintage races. That too, which is, it's really growing, the vintage I know. races. You know, I, I talked to the, the guy who runs um, marketing and stuff at Laguna Seca, and they've seen records. Everything wow. going on it right now with vintage racing is record attendance, record cars showing up at the racetrack. It's record, record, record. So, you know, there is that too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But that's re kind of a rich people reserved kind of thing. So that's true. I'm, it, I'm that, certainly not. That's where the car. horse racing analogy comes in, right? That's right. So Jaguar has a new seat. Let's get to the important stuff here. This is really, really important. It's, okay. Jaguar is doing God's work with this seat. <laughs> with a new seat. What does this new seat do? So basically, what Jaguar has been doing is they're trying to figure out how to uh, mitigate risks with sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. More, the quote morphable seat is being trialed by Jaguar Land Rover's body interiors research division. Oh my goodness. That's a division, <laughs> Chris. Yeah. That's a division. It's just like the other division we talked about. It's the drive shaft division, but yeah, this is the yeah, new version yeah, of this exactly. for Jaguar. <laughs> They're using a number of actuators in the seat foam to create constant micro-adjustable movements to trick the brain into thinking that you're walking. Wait, so Such does this seat, mean if I sit in the seat and it tricks me into thinking I'm walking, I'm going to lose weight too? I don't know. Such a seat <laughs> could be individually tailored to each driver and passenger. Studies cited by the British car manufacturers assert that 1.4 billion people worldwide are increasingly living sedentary lifestyles think? that can shorten muscles in legs, hips, and gluteals. <laughs> This is the dumbest thing I've heard. Jaguar's of. Land Rover seat technology can, quote, help mitigate against the health risks of sitting down for too long over extended <laughs> journeys. <laughs> With UK drivers Come covering on. an estimated 146 miles per week. Come on. This is so stupid. <laughs> People are spending money on this. They There's an entire department in a company looking at a morphable seat because we're sitting down too much. <laughs> quote. <laughs> 
<laughs> the well-being of our customers' employees is at the heart of all our technological research, technological research projects. We are losing our ex- engineering expertise to develop the seed of the future. Hold on, hold on. That quote, you didn't say who that quote's by. Jaguar Land Rover Chief Medical Officer, Dave Ste- Dr. Steve Eilis. So they-, <laughs> they have a chief medical officer at Land Rover that's developing a seat that makes you think you're walking. Yeah, he works with the Land Rover Seat Technology Division. <laughs> we are using our engineering expertise to develop the seat of the future using innovative technologies not seen before in the automotive industry because nobody wants them to help yeah. tackle an issue that affects people across the globe. This is so dumb. This research is part of Jaguar's Land Rover's commitment to improving the well-being of its customers through technological innovation. Another project from the carmaker has showcased how the implementation <laughs> of ultralight te- ultraviolet light technology can stop the spread of colds and flu. Sir, <laughs> <laughs> so they're making like a hermetically sealed car for you now. These efforts are driving Jaguar Land Rover towards destination zero. Wait, what? <laughs> its ambition to make society safer and healthier while also cleaning up the environment. So now that zero to 60 times don't matter, I guess we'll just talk about seats that make you feel like you're walking in cars as a decontamination chamber. Exactly. And I've actually seen a prototype of these seats in Wally, which we talked yes! about last week. These are the seats from Jaguar. Right. They were testing it out with Disney yeah, and Pixar. So I like are, it. Everybody's going to be fat globs. <laughs> yeah, but it feels like you're walking. It feels Chris. like you're walking. Yeah, okay. So, Chris. I have a new t-shirt for you. All right. I like (laughs) t-shirts. So trying his best at self-deprecating humor, Mr. Elon Musk launched a new black Yes, Elon Musk, the self-deprecating humor. He's known for that. Yes, he's he's He's, very uh, humble. Hey, listen, this is pretty damn funny. He launched a black t-shirt with an image of shattered glass on the front and a Cybertruck logo and silhouette on the rear. That's that's all there is to that story, but that's pretty damn funny. It's awesome as long as somebody doesn't take a four inch like steel ball and throw it at your chest or, sh- <laughs> or shoot you thinking that your shirt is bulletproof. I like it. All right. So here's a list of cars. I don't want you to click this. Okay. But I want you to tell me um, these are car owners that keep their cars for 15 years or more. Oh, okay. So what do you what do you think? Who's- uh, definitely a Lexus like ES is on there. No. Uh how about a Toyota? It's got to be a Toyota something. So I'm going to go. These are the percent of 15 plus year old car owners kept by the original owners. These numbers are generally they start at kind of around 20 percent of the people that own these cars. Keep them for 15 years or longer. Okay. And then it kind of goes down to 10 percent. I got as you. I get to the bottom of the list. Yep. Number one is a Toyota Highlander. And then on yep. the list, Toyota Sienna, Toyota Tacoma, Toyota See? Tundra. <laughs> Subaru Forester, Toyota RAV4, Honda Pilot, Honda CRV, Toyota Prius, Toyota 4Runner, Honda Odyssey, Toyota, Toyota, Honda, Toyota. It's all Toyotas and Hondas and one Subaru. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. It's These are over double the uh, the industry average of these cars. Wow. And do you? Th- I was trying to figure out why this is. And all, none of these, A, none of these cars are enthusiast cars. Right. They are all what? Appliance cars. They are appliance cars. What did I talk cars. about last week, Chris? I still think it at least the Forester is a lifestyle car. I yes. think that the Forester is a lifestyle car. It is car, a lifestyle but, car. But the rest of these aren't. I mean, no. this is, you know, a higher CRV, Prius. The Forerunner is probably a lifestyle car. Um, Land Cruiser, definitely a lifestyle car. Yeah. Um, but the rest of these are just regular they run are of the mill. Beige mobiles. People are buying these because they run forever, yep. which is one another reason why I want a Forerunner. They do run forever. Even though I would not keep it for more than five minutes. No, that's, that's, that's also that's basically true. All right. So uh, do you know Carlos Gosen? I do not. 
So he was the old CEO of, of Nissan. We didn't do a Nissan. Sp- Nissan. Yeah, if you're Jeremy Clarkson. Yes. Um, so he was the, uh, out, he's basically the ousted CEO of N- Nissan. Oh. And he worked at Renault back in the day. He was trying to work out a, a merger between Nissan and Renault, when he, which neither company wanted when he was ousted. Okay. Um, an internal inquiry at Nissan found that Mr. Gosen underreported his compensation to the Japanese government by $88 million <laughs> between 2011 and 2015. Wow. So basically he was arrested, put under house arrest. Um, so... He was originally reported to have been smuggled from his home. What? He's currently residing in Lebanon as of last week in a mansion reportedly owned by Nissan. What? Gosen was has used his newfound freedom to accuse his former Nissan colleagues of falsifying evidence to feed him to a quote rigged Japanese justice system. And this is <laughs> this is sick right here. He do a, drew a grandiose comparison between his ordeal and an Imperial Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor in 1941. So this guy's kind of off his rocker. He is way off his rocker. So this is a tweet that was put out by Wall Street Journal that I think is kind of interesting. Quote, the Wall Street Journal has obtained a photo of the audio equipment case used by Carlos Gozen to sneak out of Japan. The case has holes drilled in the bottom so Gozen could breathe. <laughs> so to get him out of his house and house arrest, they took a basically an upright base, yeah. con- like shipping container, <laughs> drilled holes in it, and shipped him out of his house in that. Wow. So that's the that's how this guy got out of Japan. Now he lives wow. in Lebanon in some million dollar villa. Um and then well, that's apparently owned by Nissan. Yeah, that's a bit weird. What is going on? I don't know. So via Yamaha, quote, we won't mention the reason, but there have been many tweets about climbing inside large musical instrument cases. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> This is a warning. After any unfortunate incident would be, uh, after any unfortunate accident would be too late. So we ask everyone not to try it. So they just anonymously said, "Yeah, don't do this. That's probably okay. not a good idea." So good luck to uh, this sick jerk on his fleeing yeah. from Japan. All right, we got a listener question. Okay, let's hear it, Chris. This is from Joey. He sent us an email. Hey, gentlemen, love the show. I wanted to reach out to you all to get your take and opinion on a potential vehicle for me. Okay. I currently drive a fourth-gen 4Runner that is lifted and gets super awesome mile per gallon, 14. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love my 4Runner, so the intention is to keep it. I will be commuting more for work work reasons. Like Chris, I've had a Mark 1 Rabbit in the past. That is out of the question due to the fact of having a son. He will routinely be in the car with me on his way to daycare, mainly due to lack of safety available at that time. You know, obviously the the rabbits weren't reliable. I think oh, that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Gotcha. What are your choices for a great and great and fun gas saver dad mobile? Jake, do not say a Miata. <laughs> Budget is to stay under five thousand dollars, or or the equivalent of two and a half Porsche factory fenders. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, Joey. I appreciate you guys and keep doing what you're doing. Here's a list of a few I have considered based off of gas mileage, reader reviews, parts availability, and aftermarket support. Feel free to add some of your thoughts. Blah blah blah. Okay, right, so, so he's done his homework. Ford Contour SVT. No. Doesn't do anything for me. Doesn't work. It's a, I know it's a sedan. No. But they're... I like his next on the list, the Ford Focus SVT. Okay. Those are actually really reasonable in price, and they are fun to drive. What, are we talking first gen? I think there was only a first gen Ford Focus SVT. After that, I think they were STs and RSs oh, and stuff right. like that. So this you're is right. the first generation. Yep, These right. are got to be 15, 17 years old now. They're yeah. cool. If you can find they're a little... They're naturally much. aspirated. Yeah, they're a fun car. Um, I, I've driven one. They're they're really snappy. It's a two door though. Yeah, so that there's does no. Suck. It's you know. It, I guess it depends. How old is his son? Does yeah, he say? Here, here's the deal. 
if your kid can get into the car himself and buckle himself in, it's fine. It's fine. If okay. not, you're going to be sticking your head behind there. And it's going to be annoying and yep. terrible. Um, EG8 Civic Sedan. That'll get stolen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark IV Jetta Wagon. That it's is not, not be a fun. fun. They're not no, fun. They're no. cool. You can slam them. They look cool. But it's not fun. Not fun. Mark III Golf, depending on what you get, can be fun if you get a VR6. Right. But I don't know that that's necessarily no. a safe option. Fifth or sixth gen Celica. Are these the weird wedge ones from the 2000s? I don't know. Then no. Uh, BMW 318Ti. Again, that's a two door. Right. It's a cool option. So they weren't fast or exciting. No, No, that's a little four cylinder thing. I do like how they look. If you could swap an engine into one of those, like if you could do an S50. I used to like how they look and I've decided that they didn't age well. If you lower them and put them on some decent wheels, they look yeah. really, really cool. Um, the Corolla XRS with the 2ZZ engine model. I do not know what a 2ZZ is. So that is the same engine used in the first-gen Lotus Elise, I believe. That sounds fun. Yep. Yeah, that could be all right. Uh, the DA Acura Integra, DC Acura Integra. No. Um, no, again, no. those are two-door cars. I don't think they're going to be great for kids. Um, honestly, on this entire list, I like the Ford Focus SVT the best. Mm-hmm. I've driven one. They're fun. Mm-hmm. But two doors? Eh. Anything that's not on this list that you think he should uh, think about? I'm trying what about to think a of... Four door, do they make a four-door WRX, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that would be a great option, I think. That would be. That would be fun. You could get those for five or six grand, I am sure. I, yeah, I imagine you could. Or a Forester. Those are... You can put yeah, it... Yeah, you can. I'm trying to think. Can you get any sort of like a BMW... 3 Series. You could get like a 325 IS E36. That might be fun in a manual. In a manual, that would be fun to be better than the 318 Ti. It's From this list, I think he really likes hatchbacks. True. Um, (laughs) That is coming through. If you could get a Mark III Golf VR6, which is on this list, they're fun. Yep. They're not that fun to mod. I I would even, over the Mark IV Jetta Wagon, I would do a Mark IV GTI four-door. Yeah, that would be a, well, it's not a GTI four-door. It's just a Golf 180. It's not a GTI. Oh, you're right. They yeah, didn't it's do just the four door, but they later. did put the 180 in it. Yeah, I mean that would be a, yeah, a great option as well. Thing, basically, yeah. so there's there's a couple options. Yeah, out there I like you... the WRX and maybe the Mark IV with the manual and the 180. That's a good choice because it is still a four door. They're hard to yep. find, especially with low mileage and not a rusty toilet. Depending on where you live, you, I guess. Did they make any of them with a VR6 that were four door? I don't know. I'm sure they did, but then it's a GTI. That's true. They didn't make any. There might not be any four doors then. Okay. Well, then stick with the 180. I'd rather have a 180 anyway than a VR6. Yeah. The exhaust. Reliable. I just love the exhaust. Well, if you get. Yeah, yeah but the, they're not as reliable. You start having cooling issues in those things. Coil I never pack had issues. An issue with mine. At this point, we're in 2020 now. True. There's going to be a huge amount of issues <laughs> with, with the VR6 engine. They're not great to work on on your own. Uh, yeah. The 180T is a much simpler, easier setup. I th- in my opinion, the 180T is the last good engine that Volkswagen. Engine ever made that's hard opinion. to argue with yeah so um we have one voicemail here let's take a listen hello this is elon and i've uh i've been catching up on your podcast um it's very good but i will say i think you have a bit of a negative <laughs> opinion about uh, about my wonderful company and I think um, we should settle it on uh, well I think I think Chris um, very specifically we should go to the Nordsleaf um, I'll bring the Cybertruck you bring your 911 and we will race for pinks uh, <laughs> if you are 
if you are not uh, not afraid, um, I think I would like to prove that the Cybertruck is every bit as fast as an R11, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you. Um, maybe You're gonna pay for month, shipping? Uh, I don't I, know. I hope so. Uh, give me a call. You have my number. I actually okay. do now. I, I have his number. We have Elon Musk's number. Wow. I, well, that's quite the honor that he reached out to us. I, uh, I'm i speechless. I'll have to... I don't know that your 911 will beat the Cybertruck. Um, well, we don't... Probably not. <laughs> Depends what tires are on it. <laughs> if he still it has... would probably beat it with the weird, like, big tires from the show car. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we'll have mm. to see. Uh, take that thing to the Norwich Life would be a very, very interesting. Well, activity. on that note, on that note, I just I have to reach out to Elon and say, hey, thanks for calling. Yeah, I, I really, so. really appreciate it. We will see <laughs> you guys on Friday. Take care.